podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Good morning, good evening, welcome people to episode 330 of Film Bastards. I am one of your co-hosts, Mark Foster, and as ever, I am joined by... Uh, Ian Loring. Uh, and as not ever, I am not joined by uh, Rebecca Foster, because uh, she's not very well, bless her. So uh, she won't be joining us for this. So we're not actually going to review Jojo Rabbit, because Becky wanted to talk about Jojo Rabbit. Uh, so we're going to cover that next week. But what are we going to talk about? We are going to discuss The Gentleman, Marriage Story... And playing with fire, um, an eclectic mix of of films. There, to be honest, this um, yeah, th- th- this is a sign that Mark now has an unlimited card. It it literally is because, um, <laughs> I, like I said, I went to see Playing with Fire, and we'll talk about the actual film later. But I, I literally, I went to see it this this morning, um, and got there, sat down. I was the only person in my my screening, um. And it has been out a couple of weeks now. Um, and then sat down and was like, right, here we go. And I thought, do you know what? If I'd had to pay like the seven or eight pounds that I pay at, at view, I probably wouldn't have come to see this. But the fact that I can just pay my name just under 20 quid a month, and bang, 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 and there we go. And I just stroll along. Um, I actually walked to the cinema to go and see it as well, rather than taking the car. Um, so, you know, got a little bit of exercise. It's the start of the new year, isn't it? So, yeah, uh, but that is cool. But like you say, it will be fucking, I think I'm there about four or five times next week. So. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's that, that's the thing. I mean, again, I mean, I know we've been extolling the Virtues of the Unlimited card, but I, I took Lottie to see it last Sunday and didn't cost me anything extra. Only cost a, a fiver for her because we have really competitive cinema rates in Cardiff because the amount of c- cinemas in the city centre, um, you know, and I, I drove in, I paid like three pounds for the parking and I got a charge of my car for free while I was there as well. So, you know, that charge probably like would have cost a pound or two of my electricity that almost paid for the parking. So basically I paid a fiver to like go take my daughter to the cinema see a film myself and basically get a a full charge of my car you know that's that's not too fucking shabby nope that's yeah it's nice being able to kind of like to have these things where you can just kind of go right fuck it bang i'll tell you what though 
the amount of electric cars that are proliferated in the three years that I've had an electric car is quite something. I always used to be able to get a spot out of the four charges in that car park. Now it's very much a crapshoot if I go there during the day. Like a lot of the time, like there's four normal electric car charges. There are four Tesla charges. And pretty much every time I go, there is at least one Tesla charging. And there's always at least one uh, normal electric car charging there as well. Like if I go there in the evening, it's it's a different matter. But during the day, it's it, just as a slight tangent. It's really, really fucking promising. That is really promising. And the lease is coming up on my car in November. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what I get next. That's it. Um, we um, we've got another two years until we change our car again. But uh, we're contemplating looking and seeing in two years' time and going right. What bit? What is what's available now in electric um, will be very different to what is available in two years' time. Um, and so we are we're looking at the idea of it. The only issue is I, I do travel quite fast sometimes for work, so there is that to to contend with. But it's certainly something we're, we're going to consider. Whereas last time it was an outright, it's just not a feasible for us. So it, yeah, it is quite a, a boiled thing when you see a lot more being used. Yeah, it's 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 lovely. Just the amount of the amount of charging points that have popped up all over the place now. It's such a treat it's like the tesco by us literally got one in uh, a charger installed in the last couple of weeks so it's like i went to tesco to do our weekly shop yesterday and i got like about 50 percent charge and it didn't cost me anything you know i think you know it's it's the start of a new year so uh, you know there's obviously the times where you not necessarily resolutions but you kind of look at it and go right what can i do a little bit different this year um and we've kind of i mean i think i've I've said that's it i'm i'm basically doing away with a maximum amount of um you know um plastic use that i can get away Uh, i'm not buying fruit in packets anymore i'm not buying veg in packets anymore i'm buying it loose but i'm not like that i'm literally just printing out the sticker it's kind of sticker stick it to my bag and then that's it i just bang it in there because it I only bring it home in terms of the various containers we've got anyway um uh, i'm no longer coming off single-use cups i'm taking a bottle of water but i'm usable bottle of water and bits like that so it's all the other these little bits that you can do and it's i thought about it you know i was talking to somebody about it and they said oh yeah but how much can you do and i thought right if i was to literally all year all the plastic that I use, a single-use plastic that, that that just I use myself. I'm sorry, it's not film-related, so we'll, we'll get back to films in a second. Um, and, and sort of put it in a pile there. That pile by the end of the year would be fucking huge. Yeah. And that's just yeah. one person. So if you know, sometimes you've got to look at things and get say, do you know what? I, I might not be able to affect that and that, but at least I can do my bit. It's the bare minimum that everybody should be doing as a bare minimum is their bit. And if everyone did, if everybody at least attempted to do their bit and got 50% of the way there of doing just their bit, it would have a unbelievable effect on the planet that essentially we're leaving for our kids. And in a time where it's been a week where world leaders appear to have disappeared on holiday for new year and are still kind of going oh i might just stay an extra day so i don't have to comment on that that's going on there um is you know 
it is a time where we need to shut up and stop being angry at a 13 year old who's telling telling them that they're you know look what, what's going on is wrong and you need to do something about it and rather than pointing at her and going well no you can't tell me what to do like, they should not fucking tell you what to do she's saying the planet is literally fucking dying yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sharon has made some really, really good points. Uh, I mean, obviously she has, and just the stuff in Australia, and it like, yeah, it. Ah, uh, right. But we're going to be talking about the John Cena firefighter comedy, yeah, so you know, there's there's a fucking dichotomy for you. Yeah, I did think. Is this in bad form? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, right. What's happened in film? Nothing has happened in film. The Oscars are really early this year. Can I can I just I, I just wanted to slightly chill for a second. Go so on. on the regular feed, you would have had about an hour and 11 minute uh, top 10 of the decade show. If you are uh, if you were a patron, you would have had about three and a half hours of our top 100 of the decade. Bit of a messy show, slightly all over the place at times. And I forgot that I was uh, my mic input was my Mac, not my mic for about the first two and a half hours. So there's a lot of me coughing, but there's quality stuff on there and as well as that there's an avalanche of content coming on the patreon you are getting probably t- at least two ian's guide to bondage shows where i look through all the bond films rick kid's going to be joining me to talk about on a majesty secret service i'm looking for other guests as well if you want to come on let me know um mark and becky are uh starting the amazingly titled <laughs> The Erotic Adventures of Mark and Becky. Um, with the first episode being Body of Evidence, that's going to be hitting patrons this week as well. Um, we're, we're doing the Bad Boysology, um, which is only for patrons. Patrons will get the review of Bad Boys for Life, but the rest of the show, including patron-picked Solo Will Smith and Solo Martin Lawrence film, uh, will be for patrons only. So patreon.com forward slash filmbastards, $2 a month. The more we get on there, frankly, the more chances of us getting together and recording. And also, quite frankly, I want to get my Mark and Becky the mic that I use because <laughs> I I think I sound quite nice and I think it might have an impact. So there we go. Two dollars a month. Film Bastards. Uh, though, Patreon.com forward slash Film Bastards. Shilling over. Back to the Oscars. Yes, the Oscars are fucking early. The Golden Globes being the first Sunday of January is insane. What, are they tonight? It's tonight. Fuck off, is it? Yeah. That shows how little I give a shit about the Golden fucking Globes. I mean, they're not even real awards, are they? Let's face it. If you won a Golden Globe, you'd be a bit like... I guarantee you, right now, there are a load of people there going, do I have to go to this? Really? Do I have to go? Yeah, you're contractually obliged. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 fascinating just because it's such a wide open race in terms of the Oscars as well. So the Oscar nominations come out on uh, a week tomorrow, Monday the 13th, I want to say. Um, and so what and the, the i think the, nom- the nomination ballots are due on tuesday or wednesday this week so the golden globes are actually going to have a material impact on on the nominations and it, it, i mean it w- it will be fascinating to see what happens because it's like if knives out is able to i don't know 
get a supporting actress win for Anna de Armas or like Daniel Craig sneak in for best actor. I don't I, for musical comedy. He won't because that's a very strong category. But, you know, it's like if Knives Out was going to put in a show there, coupled with the fact that it's done over 200 million worldwide, that could maybe push it up. If Taron Egerton managed to sneak in for best actor, musical or comedy for Rocketman, that could do something. You know, there, there are there, there are things in play here which could be interesting like what's gonna win um uh best motion picture drama it's interesting that parasite is not in there it, it's ghettoed to foreign language which it will win um but it's like if whatever wins that does that get a bump there's there's so many nooks and crannies here and i mean parasite is a major fucking spoiler here because it's a foreign language film that could really do some shit. And I mean, Roma was last year, but Alfonso Cuaron's kind of a known quantity here. You've got Bong Joon-ho just like coming in with this film that is apparently fucking amazing. I still haven't seen it yet. Um, I have. And yeah, they, yeah. And I, I know you said it wouldn't be in your top 100 of the decade. So that's interesting. Um, but, it's not a good film. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll add that there. Um, absolutely. It is. Parasite is a very, very good film. There's no getting away from that. Uh, if it, 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 if that, if if that got a Best Picture nomination, it, it would be thoroughly deserved. Is what I would say there. Okay, no, fair enough. Okay, that's good to know. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it it will be really, really interesting to see what happens here. And I mean, like BAFTA nominations have got to be soon because the BAFTAs will be before the Oscars because of course they will be. Um, and then, like, could anything come from that as well? I mean, I quite frank. Even though, then again, the BAFTAs, yeah, it's usually that they've got to be released by like mid February. Spoiler for my gentleman review: I I would give Hugh Grant a supporting actor fucking BAFTA nomination for his work on the Gentleman. Um, and, and I don't know. It's just it's it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. But just, just the fact that it's all so early, it kind of feels like everybody's just kind of being roused from New Year. It's like, oh, fuck, uh, awards. Yeah. Uh, Marriage Story, Irishman, um, Joker, uh, Parasite. I, I don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is literally like that, to be honest. It, it, it's a bit it's a bit mad. Um, it's really weird. Um, before you messaged me and said, oh, did you know the Oscars is is the the 9th of, of February. I was actually laid in bed the couple of nights before thinking, I wonder when the Oscars are. I hope it isn't the Sunday before we go on holiday. I thought, nah, it won't be. That's like the second week in uh in February. It'll be it'll be towards the end. It always is. Nope, it's that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's um I I it's weird because they've said that it's gonna be kind of back to its usual place next year but there were some rumblings that it was basically award season is really protracted because if you think about it it's like it kind of starts with the Venice Film Festival and Telluride that are around about the same time in late August um so late August you got people kind of like hitting the tr- I mean to be fair like can you'll have films playing can I mean Parasite um I want to say it won the Palm Door um so you got Bong Joon-ho like doing stuff for it in May. And then, yes, OK, you have the summer. And then back in August again, as it's playing all these other festivals. And then you got like you got Toronto and London in um, um, September and October. And then you've got AFI Fest in New York in November. And 
it's just rumble, 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 and then nominations come out. Then they got to do all this stuff in January as well. And it does kind of feel like from a sheer fucking logistical point of view, having it earlier does make sense if these festivals are going to be steadfast in, in when they are. Mm. But at the same time, it's really fucking early in the year to be having these things happen. Yeah, it, it's a bit jarring, isn't it? Is what I'd say. It, it, it just makes you go, what, really? It, it just feels a bit odd. Um, yep. for that. Uh, is there any other movie news we've had this week? Um, nah, not really. I mean, uh, oh, well, actually, no. Uh, I, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna rant a little bit. Go on. So. Megan Ellison yesterday put out a tweet. Just want to find this. So she retweeted um, a, a tweet from Netflix that was like a thread of another year of movies is ahead of us. We mentioned a lot of these films already, but here's a handy list of all the films coming to Netflix this year so far. And uh, these films include Finch's new film, Mank. Um, Ben Wheatley's uh, remake of Rebecca, Spike Lee's follow-up to uh, Black Klansman, The Five Bloods, um, probably not in the same place here, but the Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams comedy Eurovision. Um, uh, I Ree- the shit out of that. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Dee Rees' new film, the director of uh, Mudbound, uh, The Last Thing He Wanted. Um... Uh, I mean, there are a number of others. Um, and Megan Allison uh, basically said, retweeted and said, I appreciate Netflix and use it often, but I read this list of films and feel dot, 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 nothing. Well, very little. This is not an insult to any of the gifted filmmakers listed here. The motion picture used to fill me with feeling. And then the word content crept in on us. Didn't see the word content in that tweet um it's interesting that she runs annapurna pictures which is very very into theatrical distribution mm-hmm. um and then she got very easy that isn't it when your dad's the seventh yeah. rich man in the world yeah just, just put it out there it, yeah. it, it's, it's it's you know very easy to to care about cinema when you know he does the seventh richest man in the world. Not quite. You know, and, um, you know what? she keeps giving Paul Thomas Anderson money to make movies, despite the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson movies hardly ever make any fucking money, but majority of the time are absolutely fantastic. So please keep doing it because, you know, you are giving money to what is it? But it, 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 it just feels a little bit snide. So the thing is, she then, like, got a, a fair bit of what the fuck tweets I, I mean like i did as well you know i was like rebecca mank you know come on now do better and she followed it up with to be clear on twitter is an impossibility but this is not a commentary on any of these actual films or netflix is simply a feeling about something that is happening to storytelling in this era right don't retweet don't quote tweet netflix's list of upcoming films then if it is not a criticism of that why did you do that yep it's 
It's a like, difficult situation, the whole everything that's going on at the moment. It, it seems like... I don't know. It, the thing about cinema is, if we're talking about cinema rather than film, so the, the, the actual... Um, the acts of going to the cinema. Yeah. Right. Is cinemas... You've, you've, you've worked for a cinema, so you can tell me if what I'm about to say is bullshit. But it, I don't, I'm don't. I'm 99% sure it's not, right? Okay. Cinemas don't make money out of films like Parasite, for instance. Cinemas don't make money from films. Or in fact, like, they, 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 they don't. They don't, no. They, but they want, what I mean is, they, they don't especially for the whole, the holistic um, minutiae of a cinema and how it all works. They don't make money off, off things like Parasite. They don't make money off things like Midsommar. They don't make money off those things. What they make money off is films like Trolls World Tour that will make 700 million without anyone, without hardly Twitter even fucking noticing. Because you've got, you will have, somebody will take their kid. A lot of the time, it'll be a couple of kids, and you at least have to have a parent to go. Now, the parent, 90% of the time, isn't going to take the kid and then not get them popcorn or a drink and stuff like that, and bits like that. And so that is how cinemas make money, mm-hmm. is by having those things. The other point there that you have is, let's say you have a cinema that puts something like Parasite on. Mm-hmm. The amount of people who actually want to go and see it is a much reduced um, number. The amount of people who actually go and see it is also um, much reduced as well. And so what you get is people saying, well, why don't you get the, why isn't, you know, Martin Scorsese, why, the Irishman played cinemas, Parasite's played cinemas, but well, these things are just going out on Netflix and it's such a shame. It's like, right, that's fine. But Mank, for instance, Fincher doesn't get Fincher's picky for a start off, but yeah. also as well, he isn't a director who he isn't Christopher Nolan. He doesn't just get right there. You go. There's the money. Go and fucking make it. Yeah. yeah. He has to. He, he, he social network was a jobbing. He's a jobbing director for that. Mm. Um, this movie, man, is a passion project. It was, I believe, it was written by his father before he died. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and so. It's a passion project, and it, the way that he makes movies, in the same way that Scorsese made The Irishman, these movies cost more than it probably is worth for a studio when they do the, right, we've got this, 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 and this, and this, and when it gives the accountants to calculate it, they go, no, the risk factor is too high. Is too high, because even if everybody that wants to go and see it goes to see it, we're still only going to make this amount of money. It's a different type of risk factor than something like, for instance, King Arthur is, is a one, for instance, there. Mm. King Arthur lost money. It did. Um, but it could have hit and it could have bounced and it would have made a fuck ton of money. Um, and, and that's it. Whereas the Irishman's never going to make a fuck ton of money. But what Netflix can do is they can go, do you know what? We've just given you a Martin Scorsese movie. At the same time, we're giving you a new Noel Baumbach movie. Did you know that we did the last Noel Baumbach movie as well? A lot of these prestige directors, and I despise that fucking phrase, but a lot of these prestige directors are going to Netflix because Netflix are doing something that the big studios 
aren't doing. They are filling a void that the studios have left because it's become it, the cinema has become consumed. The cinema, not film, the cinema has been has been consumed by the fact that it has to get people in and people on seats that are going to buy drinks and popcorn and things like that. And your average avant-garde cinema fan doesn't do that. They're not going to want popcorn. They're maybe going to get a coffee, but to be honest, they don't want it from there because essentially it's like an espresso machine. So they'll get it from somewhere else and take it in with them, etc. It is that thing. And it's very easy for somebody like Megan Ellison to come out and start criticising it and then go, oh, I wasn't criticising that. Yeah, you fucking were. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a bit like going to a kid's birthday party and going and turning around to somebody and going, oh god, don't you hear all these kids running around screaming? And the guy going, I mean that's my kid running around screaming. Oh no, no not your kid. I didn't mean these kids. I just meant at parties in general. No, no, I mean yeah, yeah. I mean that it's it was that set that follow up tweet was bizarre. It's I'm not criticizing Netflix. You quote retweeted Netflix. All the filmmakers involved, you've just said that you feel very little or nothing about any of those films being listed. It, it's what was your point then? What was your point? Like, yes. I mean, and the thing is, yes, the idea of content in quote marks is a terrible one. But I I, I see the, the tide changing on that. Um, I mean. Uh, I'm going to I, I will sound like a shill for Netflix, but look, here we go. So Netflix do commentary tracks. You yep. probably don't know that, do you? And why don't you know that? Because they don't advertise it very well, which is absolutely is criticism of theirs. But also because no one on film Twitter seems that bothered about publicizing the fact because a lot of people would rather just disparage Netflix. But no. They do commentary tracks. There is a podcast series. I don't know why it's just not within the Netflix app. That is a fair point. But hey, there is. I, I to be honest with you, I would probably more likely listen to these things out and about than I would actually sitting down, given my life anyway. It's a um, license thing, by the way. Yeah. It, that, that, that's that's the reason. The reason why they're not included within the app right. is, it, is it's to do with it's to do with licensing. Um, for the actual the, the content that is in them uh, oh there. because the production company didn't make the yeah didn't make the track netflix did or something yeah, yeah okay that makes sense that, so that's that's why they release it as a podcast instead okay thank you so watching with dot 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 um they've got a commentary track for the king they've got one for dolomite is my name they've got one for the night before christmas they've got one for secret obsession uh, always be my maybe you know there's quite a few there um so you know have at it also chris tapley former variety uh, journalist who covered the award season for fucking years does a netflix podcast series he works for netflix and he does a podcast series called the call sheet and <coughs> sorry forgive me my cough hasn't quite left me yet um it has been heavily weighted towards the Irishman lately, which is kind of obvious, I suppose, given the attention towards it. But uh, they there was a podcast with cinematographer Rodrigo Prieto, uh, costume designer Sandy Powell. Um, they He had one with the screenwriters of Dolomite Is My Name. Um, there's 
a lot of uh, Noah Baumbach from Marriage Story. Um, it, it's kind of all over all over the place, and it's Netflix films and series apparently, but um, it's been all films so far, as far as I can tell. So it is all marketing for Netflix, but then again, commentary tracks came out of the marketing budgets of films when they were released on Blu-ray and DVD and 4K anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and they, what I'm trying to say is they're not the enemy, but fuck me, you'd think they are. Um, there are problems with them. Don't get me wrong. There are. Their, their algorithms are shit, but yeah, it, it, it's yeah. Like, there, there are issues, but like you said, that they're not they're not the enemy. It's I I, I do not understand if it it seems like a problem of a snobism, snob, snobbery, snobbism. It's not even a word. Snobbery. Um, the fact that people like being angry about things. And people who have never known what it's like to to, to have to wait for ages to be able to watch something, <laughs> um, and that that's that's kind of it. It's a it's never been easier to listen to a song or watch a movie, and and because of that, it's diminishing our appreciation of how those songs were made and how those movies were made, and it's making them more disposable. And that is the issue there. But that is not the content provider's problem. It's not the content provider. I remember, this isn't a new thing either. Um, Fucking blockbuster video years ago used to get criticised for the fact that, you know, you could go in there and they'd have 15 copies um, of The Lion King. Um, all take up all this space, but but could you find the Exodus Part Two? No, you couldn't. Like what? What? Because fucking people want to watch the fucking Lion King. It, 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 people, I remember those days of people criticising that. Oh, have you got blah fucking movie? Oh no, it's out at the moment. All oh, right, but you can see you've got shitloads of fucking copies of Basic Instinct, haven't you? It's like, well, yeah, people want to see Charles Lord Bush, so you know. And, and there's, there's things like that. It's it, 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 it's getting to the point now. It's like, right. So what we're what we're establishing is you're just never going to be happy. <laughs> I mean, that's I, it. I'm 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 trying a new thing this year um, with Twitter. I, I've stepped back a little bit from Twitter, and I want to kind of pull back into it because I've had a lot of great things out of Twitter. What we're doing right now was born out of Twitter. You know, I met the people who are my closest friends now. I met through through Twitter and you know yeah. it's great and we have a WhatsApp group that we use fucking all of the time so it's taken mm-hmm. that away from it but I do kind of want to engage a little bit more with it but what I'm going to do is I, I don't want to be part of the problem I want to be part of the solution so I'm not going to be snide about a movie I'm not going to if somebody says uh, for instance um, I enjoyed Zombieland Double Tap um, there if somebody put out and said that a movie that I didn't like, I'm not going to immediately then rush to tweet to tell them that I didn't like the movie that they liked. Why? What's the fucking point? Mm. That's just that's just possibly causing you know, pissing somebody else off and diminishing somebody's having a go at somebody for liking something. It's got to move out its age of being just fucking angry and good. You know what? 
2020. Let's fucking let's get back to enjoying things rather than constantly try to diminish other people's enjoyment of something or try to battle with someone or try to say, no, you're wrong for liking that. Well, fuck you. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I don't know. I, I just I don't. Megan, it just with the I, the way Annapurna Pictures has been going, I'm kind of surprised Megan Ellison's prepared to do that because it kind of feels like at some stage she might want to partner up with Netflix on some stuff. It's I mean, she's got a, a distribution deal with Universal for the new Bond film. Um, so. You know, but it does slightly feel like is that a a roll of the dice like there? You know, um, it's I don't know. It you look at a company like A24 that seem to be doing things the right way. Um, you know, they've partnered with Netflix to release uncut gems internationally, but in the US they they own it and it's grossed over thirty million dollars so far which is which is terrific for that film um and you know and but when they want to release something big screen by themselves they they do it they're they're cool they have some innovative marketing campaigns you know they seem to be doing things right and then with annapurna pictures like megan ellison is a force for good and but i mean but this these tweets were a mistake um you know i i don't know maybe next time you pass on a picture and it maybe goes to netflix mm-hmm. hey yeah maybe don't say anything i it's just with the irishman paramount had it they decided it wasn't worth the cost it's gone to netflix it's doing really well for netflix it has pioneered there's there's a visual effects featurette that netflix um uh, uh put up that i i retweeted on my my twitter at ian loring from an article that um vodzilla did uh, who i write for in, in in disclosure um and that feature is terrific and it was basically saying that they invented new technology for the irishman which is gonna forever change how de-aging is done you don't need to do it with tracking markers anymore that's phenomenal yeah. and that is netflix money yeah you know, and Netflix is a service. It is a product, but it's I'm I'm paying them, and they're doing good things. <laughs> End of. And you know what? I saw Irishman on a big screen. I could have seen my Marriage Story on a big screen if December wasn't as fucking rammed as 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 it was. And the, you know, next winter, I am sure that Mank and Rebecca will be viewable on big screens. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, and good for it. Um, yeah. Trailers. There hasn't been any, has there? Has there? I, um. Oh shit. Oh fuck. Something. Uh, Quiet Place Two. Oh yes, the, the the teaser trailer for Quiet Place Two. Yeah. Um. It 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 looks like a Quiet Place Two. It looks like they've, they've expanded the universe a little bit if that makes sense yeah um looks i said to bex which got up i was like i haven't really i haven't played it and i've only watched you play it a little bit but it looks an awful lot like last of us <laughs> absolutely um yeah i'd be like the first one so i'm, I'm, I'm up for this it, it'll be good I just it's one of those where 
am I really excited and pumped to see it? Not really, but um, but will I go and see it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's 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 see what happens. I'm I'm hoping Killian Murphy doesn't turn out to be a wrong one. Um, I've got a feeling that he will be. Um, but oh. hey, you know, I could see Digimon Honsune dying in the second or uh, like the end of the second act, and then it right, being Emily Blunt versus yeah. Killian Murphy saving one of the kids. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. But you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um. It will be out by the time that people hear this, but it's a trailer for the new mutants coming tomorrow. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, uh, just, just don't, just, just don't really. Do you know what they should do? Do you remember when you two made that really shit album and it just uploaded to everyone's fucking iPhone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, remember that? They should just with new mutants. It should just upload to everybody's device. Any device has a connection to the internet. New mutants should just fucking upload to it automatically, so everyone can just go, nope, delete it. <laughs> it's just you know they wrote that money off a year ago, and now they've gone. Do you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? What's it matter? It might work. <laughs> it's like they've said that that film needs reshoots and it hasn't had them. Yeah. And it was it was shot two years ago. It, like it's it uh, it's incredible. Like uh, Maisie Williams is in it and she's got to look a good deal younger. I fucking fat like just fascinating. And it's got an April release date on the schedule still. It's not happening. I still refuse to believe that's happening. It literally, I, I do think that that is going to have a Disney Plus logo at the end of it. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, but it doesn't feel like Disney Plus content. That's the thing. But it's like, where the fuck does it go? Does it just, does it go in cinemas and then just disappear? I mean, I, or I don't know. Do they double down and go? Do you know what? Fuck it. This is a part of the universe. We may never mention it ever again, but this is a part of the universe. But I remember Josh Boone saying at the time that he wanted to do a trilogy where each one felt like a different type of horror movie. Yeah. And it was like, that sounds incredible. They might have have just gone, right, do you know what? This is your last chance to see what you can do. And then sat down and watched watched the, the new incarnation of it and gone, that's all right, actually. Yeah. Fuck it, yeah, let's put it out. It's all right, actually. It's quite a good movie. That It's unlikely, but that is a possibility. That's it, you know. And it's like, it comes out, out in April. It does fuck all. Never mind. We've got Black Widow in a few weeks. Exactly, yeah. Fascinating. I'm sure we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Uh, there's also the new trailer for... What's it called? Doolittle. Um, the more and more I see of this movie, the less and less I want to watch it. But the thing is... It's barely a new trailer. He says one extra word, and yeah. I'm pretty sure it's yes. Yeah, it, it, it's. It doesn't look very good, mate. That has got the fucking tinge of disaster all over, like all over it. What? But to be fair, it's the first film that Lottie has ever looked at me and said, "Can we go see that?" Instead well, that... of me, instead of me going, "Do you want to go see that?" She looked at me and said, "Daddy, can we go see that?" That's really interesting because I was about to ask the question of you and I thought about this while I was in the cinema earlier today and that trailer came on was I was watching it going, this trailer doesn't feel like it's aimed at kids. It feels like it's aimed at older people 
and try and get their attention to bring it to the kids. And I thought, but then again, I'm not a kid. I have no idea what appeals to kids. So I was about to ask you, has Lottie seen it? And how did she react to it? But there you go. Clearly, I just don't know how to market to kids, which is fine because I don't like kids. Right, um, no, I mean it's 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 animals. That's the thing. It's, that's, is, it, is it literally animals? Yeah, it's 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 talking. It, it it is talking animals. I mean, like she's she's six, but just the fact that it's talking animals in a live action setting is promising for me because it shows how she's developing. Um, it, but yeah, no, she is up for it. It comes out over here February half term. I will take her to see it. If it's an excuse, like she's been asking to go see a film in 4 DX again for fucking ages, but there's never anything suitable for her. So um, if it's on in 4 DX, yeah, why not? Yeah, fair enough. I, I, I'll go and see it. I just it's it to me it look it just looks a little bit boring, but I will go and see it. Yeah, I mean it's I I, I am fully convinced that it's going to be a car crash it comes out in the u.s in i think two weeks time i mean and i, I want the last dot to do a little movie in the cinema so oh jesus and it just it's the fact that you watch these trailers and all you know is they go on a perilous journey um but yeah for what i'm thinking why does he need to go on this journey with all these animals he can talk to what is he going to do <laughs> yeah well no quite and but I will say that one shot of Antonio Banderas, I want to see what the fuck that guy's about. I want to know who Craig Robinson's voicing. Mm-hmm. That could change my entire fucking mood towards the entire fucking thing. Hopefully that dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be something cheeky, isn't it? Yeah. I, just After Cats... Universal must be fucking shitting themselves. Yeah. Like, the, the, it's like, it is going to be like the never work with children or animals. Well, hey, at least animals thing. I mean, just touching on cats as well. It's staggering how badly that film is doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just the amount of money that is going to lose. At just... Yeah, fair. Did you know that they've changed the title for Doolittle, Dr. Doolittle? From what to what? It's now called The Voyage of Dr. Doolittle. But it still says Doolittle on the trailer. Yeah, apparently they've changed the title now. I'm just looking now. Apparently, yeah, they've changed it to The Voyage so of Dr. Doolittle. Journey. Like that Welsh accent. I'm, hello, Barry. <laughs> like, it's going to be, Yeah. <laughs> What, I mean, that's a fucking choice, that is, and especially when Michael Sheen voices one of the animals. So Craig Robinson voices a, a character called Fleming. I have no idea who that is. Dragon. I'm <laughs> telling you. Because it's Flem's fire. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, fuck it, let's should we review a movie now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're only 55 minutes into the recording. Why not? <laughs> I know, we've only got three fucking feature reviews. <laughs> Weed. Mush. Skunkamola. White Widow Super Cheese. <laughs> it's the new gold rush. This is the thin end of a very fat wedge, sir. If it's such a fat wedge, why don't you keep it? See, I've developed a reputation as a man who came up the hard way. 
You could say that there's blood on these pretty white hands. But in the new business, once legal and under the jurisdiction of the respectable umbrella of ministerial legitimacy, an enterprise like this will need a face with a clean past, which sadly, I do not possess. Retirement doesn't sound so bad. Long walks in the countryside, pruning roses with my better half, raising some cubs. I've earned it. Um, the Gentleman is a Guy Ritchie written and directed and produced movie. Uh, it stars Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam, Henry Golding, um, Michelle Dockery, uh, Jeremy Strong, Eddie Marzan, Colin Farrell, Hugh Grant. His pub and his barbecue table. His pub, his barbecue table, and uh, I think his wardrobe. Um, <laughs> it's the story of uh, Mickey Pearson, uh, who is a played by Matthew McConaughey, an American uh, alternative businessman. He's a drug dealer uh, who deals marijuana. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and Hugh Grant essentially appears in Charlie Hunnam's uh, house and begins to regale a story. Um, and he's regaling the story because he's trying to essentially extort £20 million out of Mickey Pearson. And Charlie Hunnam plays Raymond, his essentially right-hand man. Uh, and we are viewing the story as Hugh Grant is telling it. And it's the usual Guy Ritchie tale of london-based gangsters um that he's gone back to do he's, he's moved away from it sort of more recently um it is a lot more partner to things like Lockstock and snatch than it is to things like aladdin and the man from uncle um there uh just very quickly before we get into it um did you did, did you get on with Lockstock, two smoking barrels and snatch uh yeah yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, just because I think that it, it, your feelings on those movies can, I think, affect this. Um, so, how did how did you find the gentleman? Interesting, it's an eighteen. Interesting, it's an eighteen. Yeah, it's an eighteen. You don't get that many eighteen movies. Anymore. Oh right, um, yeah, no, they're they're fifteen. But I, I think the prolific use of the word cunt um, got this film an eighteen with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, uh, yeah, I had a good deal of fun with the gentleman um it's it's not perfect i don't think it's a five-star banger um but it's a film that richie almost kind of seems to have made in in response to like the uh reception for the man from uncle and king arthur where it's just like all right well fuck it i'm not gonna do these big studio backed things i'm gonna finance by myself and then sell on what i think people want from me um and then aladdin hit maybe unexpectedly for him i don't know but like the fact that that was as big as it was um it i i, I kind of wonder if yeah because this film i'm fairly i'm fairly certain was shot yeah it was it was shot before aladdin even came out yeah. Um, and it was originally called Tough Guys, um, and it, it's a Tough Guy production, so that's still there. And Tough Guys would be an awful title for this, but um, it's a film where I think Guy Ritchie is kind of having fun. Um, he's getting his sensibility out there, and you know, I, there 
I suppose that, that there are some there are some problematic elements to it. Um, but it's also a film which is not necessarily for a crowd that is that particularly bothered by things being problematic. Um, I am, but at the same time, I respect the fact that Guy Ritchie has been working in the industry for over 20 years and it kind of has his opinions on things and does not strike me as a man whose mind is changed easily. Um, Saying that, I think with Hugh Grant's character, he is showing a fair bit of knowing how the world works and taking the piss out of it. Um, And I thought there were some fair points to be made by some of the humour, to be honest. Um, If I had a criticism, I think, frankly, it would be that Hugh Grant is so good that he sucks the oxygen out of pretty much anybody, anybody around him. And I don't think... I think Colin Farrell has his moments, but he's not in it enough. I don't think anyone else really is all that memorable because he is so memorable. Matthew McConaughey, for instance, I think he's good. It's not exactly career best work. It's quite a one note character. I liked it. I didn't love it. I'm intrigued to see what you thought. Um, I just had a great time with it. Um, it's it, it's Richie going back to. Um, I mean, he said it, it, it's going back to his roots in a, in a way, but I, I think more than just going back to his roots of being um, of Lockstock and um, Snatch, I think it's also going back to his roots of his upbringing. Um, I think it would often be confused that that Richie comes from a you know comes from a a London suburb and he, he was raised in the streets and that like and he isn't he comes from a, a privileged background um like pretty much everyone in British cinema nowadays um so th- th- there is that I think that he's he's poking fun at that in, in a way um which I, I, I quite enjoyed I, I enjoyed the fact that it's Richard's a good a good storyteller he's actually also quite a clever director he's quite a he's quite a visual director he does interesting things but it's not the it's not the visuals I think that you you remember from from Guy Ritchie's movies. It's the patter. It's the it's the quick and the snappy dialogue um, that he has that he does really well. You know there are it, people will always say oh yeah but it, it, it's so bar Tarantinoisms. It's a bit like right but that that's fine but it Tarantino's one of the best at doing what it is. If you're a little bit below him then fine, you're doing all right. Um, I really liked the story. I liked the... It was a very much an ensemble piece. There's no... I don't think that there's a central performance to it. Uh, the closest that maybe you could get would be Hugh Grant, but he's not. He's the guy telling you the story. He's the narrator, almost. Um, just an actual visual narrator there. Uh, everybody seems to be having a lot of fun with this, and that's it's kind of cool that you've got this movie that's going out there that uh, has taken people by surprise by its actual its existence, but that you've got McConaughey, Hunnam, Golding, uh, Dockery, Strong, Marzan, Farrell, Grant. You've got all these people just having fun with this movie that they want people to watch and have fun with. And 
it's there's a a topical thing that's come up recently that you can use, I think, to to, to put into um, the the problem what people call a problematic moment of, of the gentleman. So uh, it's actually it, it's come up this year, but it was actually from an interview from last year um, about the uh, Fairy Tale New York, the Pogues song, um, where Shane McGowan has said that the use of the word faggot is. It's there because that's how this person would speak, and she's not a very nice person. And so, if I was writing the song now, would I put it in there? Maybe not. Do I agree with people having a problem with it? I actually kind of do. Do I think they should censor it? That's really not for me to say, but that's the reason why it's there. It's not, you don't have to agree with the word, you don't have to agree with the use of the word. The two people there are not nice people in the record, yeah, yeah. that's how I wrote it. And it's kind of interesting that it, it's, it, you know, if you're saying, oh, I don't agree with the use of, of that guy's language, or I agree with the use of that, say, all right, cool. Do you agree with him being a marijuana dealer? Mm-hmm. It, it, you're not supposed to agree with them. It's the point. It, it, if every fucking movie is about just good people, just going around doing good things, imagine how fucking boring it would be. Movies are supposed to be about, occasionally, dickheads. And they, these dickheads all kind of get their oh, come up of Oh, ever so sorry. Lottie has just come to deliver me some beers. Um, Lottie? I was going to say something. Yeah, what do you want to say? Um, guess what Mummy said. What did Mummy say? Um, you owe me a pound for some reason. I don't know why. I owe you a pound? Yeah, Mummy said. I owe mummy a pound. No, I think me or mummy, I don't know. Okay, I I had a question for you lots. I'm so sorry. So it was related to something that we were talking about earlier on. So Mark, who I record the podcast with, was let me um let me just lots. Have an ear. So Mark was talking about Doolittle. Um, you know the the trailer with all the talking animals. Yeah. And you got that um tiger who's the bad guy. Yeah. So what about that film is making you think I want to watch that film based on the trailer? Yeah. What what about what about the trailers making you want to watch it? Um, because they can sometimes be a bit funny and sometimes those bits are in it. And it's funny because I don't know. Oh, okay. But, okay, do you not want to talk anymore? No. But you're looking forward to seeing that film, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Cool. What about Trolls World Tour? Trolls World Tour? Yeah, you up for seeing that? You mean when they have to stop Barbara? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Love you. Thank you very much. Oh, lots to tell you what. Could you take these down for me, please? Thank you. You're having a lot of beer. I am. Yes, I am having a lot of beer. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks, kid. Um. <laughs> a wonderful little line that one was. She <laughs> uh, gives me a hard time about beer. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm sorry about that, Mark. Oh, it's oh, great, that. Um. Yeah, I I really got I, I got a lot of enjoyment out of uh, the gentleman. I I watched it on New Year's Day. I'd been at work um, throughout the day, um, and then 
No, so I, didn't, I didn't watch it on New Year's Day. I was supposed to watch it on New Year's Day, um, but I'd had a, a bit at work and I wasn't feeling very well. So when I got home, I was like, Becky, I'm probably just have to go to bed, to be honest. And then we went on um, January the 2nd in the morning to go and see it. And I was like, do you know what? This is great. I have it, This has set me up really nicely for the day. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, like you say, Hugh Grant is, is great. The fact that he's he's got some of the best lines and the fact that he clearly is just being very flirty uh, with Charlie Hunnam is fantastic. And the, the more drunk he gets, the literally the more flirty and the more direct he gets with it is, is quite wonderful. Um, I think Hunnam plays that quite well as well. Um, there it's um, Eddie Marzan playing, the character he's playing is also a lot of fun. There's, you're right. There's not enough Colin Farrell. Actually, Becky said that she felt that there was nowhere near enough Colin Farrell and that she could have quite easily had a lot more of him. Um, there was a a great exchange with um, with Colin Farrell and uh, Bugsy Malone, the rapper, <laughs> uh, which it, which I actually thought was quite amusing uh, in the sense of which which involved. Um, Anyway, is that guy being racist? Like, no, I don't think he's being racist. And it was a, it was a fun, interesting thing done, but a really, again, a brave little bit to to, to have in, in your film, which I, I I quite enjoyed that. I I enjoy the fact that we got this Guy Ritchie film now because it, it feels like it seems like a movie that we 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 shouldn't expect to get now. Yeah, I mean. It... The, the, the conversation with Colin Farrell, the one that really like a um, black cunt, I think it is, and it's yeah. like well, you are black and you are a cunt. <laughs> it, it, it's, but it's not like it's, it's I, the light years afterwards. Well, um, I think he actually meant it as a term of endearment towards you as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that that's yeah. I I get the term of endearment more than the you are black and you are a, it cunt. I mean just the like having to use the word the black a black instead of cunt it, it's i get you know richie's trying to be vocative he's trying to be challenging and I, I i get that it does i could get why people not into the vibe of the film would not be into the vibe of the film can i um, can, can i can i quickly come in on that then yeah go on this is my issue with this right the gentleman in the trailers and Guy okay. Ritchie's been making films for 21 years now, yep. right? So you know what you're going in for, right? It. This is what baffles me. Why go and watch it if something like that is going to rub you up the wrong way? It, unless yep. you are literally doing it so you can come out and complain about it rubbing you up the wrong fucking way. Yeah. yeah. Just don't don't expose yourself to it. It'd be like me walking to a restaurant, ordering a mac and cheese, eating it, and then when they come out and say, "Is there a right thing?" Go, well, actually, I don't even like mac and cheese, and it was shit, it was horrible, I don't like it, it's disgusting. And then when so you don't like it, but you ordered it, yeah. Yeah. It it it, it, it baffles me that. And I've seen it from loads of people. I've seen loads of comments on it. Oh, it's the usual Guy Ritchie. It's like, then why have you fucking seen it? Go do mm-hmm. something else for your two and a bit hours. Yeah, I mean, that. I, I, I suppose there are people who have been paid to review it who, who have to talk about it. But I, I 100% get that. It is. 
it is the why bother going to see it unless you know that you're going to have a negative opinion of it and and go see it anyway um and i mean it's but like i say i mean i i think there are aspects of it which are out of step with the times and are knowingly out of step with the times but i think you can be out of step with the times but acknowledge that there is some validity to the times are a changing but are the characters um, out of step with the times as well um isn't that the point of the fact that these characters are they're coming towards the end of their time and there's a new crop coming up within that as well so but, the but, characters are out are out of their time that's an it's an old way of of doing things and that's part of the story yeah I mean I, I, I mean, I suppose there's a point with that with Hugh Grant with the kind of like the the rolling R's with the, the some of the things that he says when he's talking about dry eyes. Mm. Um, but I mean, the black cunt thing comes from a young guy in a boxing gym, but with an older guy talking to him. Yeah, and it's the older guy who's who's calling out that it's not racist. Mm. But that that's that's my point. It's the younger guy is the one who was being racist and the older guy calling out the fact that it's that it well or or, or, or may, maybe he's not being racist, maybe the older guy is right. It just it's I'm not entirely sure what Richie is getting at there, whether it's challenging or being willfully ignorant but then again he's writing it so I, I, don't, you know, I don't think he's trying to challenge I think he's I think what he's doing is he's dropping these little bits in and going there we go that's gonna that's gonna cause discussion that's gonna get people what is it I, I, I'm not even sure he he has an opinion on it yeah I mean no maybe not um it, it's I don't know it just it it it's weird because in some respects it feels like it's very against like the sun and the daily mail and whatnot. But at the same time, things like that do kind of feel like it is leaning into that. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's challenging. I mean, I, I think Hugh Grant's portrayal of, of the, the, the kind of the tabloid journalist, it, it feels depressingly. Yes. That is a character who could totally exist now. Yeah. And I, I mean, absolutely. I, I think Eddie Marzan's character is really interesting as well, because you can imagine that a a newspaper editor, a tabloid newspaper editor could hold a grudge against someone because they didn't shake their hand at a party. You you could see that being the cause of a vendetta. I read a a thing about that, um, and I can't remember if it was... um, if it was, I cannot remember. It wasn't Guy Ritchie. It was one of the other writers that wrote the story about it. Mm. Um, and they said, they said, I won't, I won't mention the exact. If I won't say the exact people, he said, or the, the exact paper. He said, but a prominent red top that happened with the editor of a prominent red top and a let's say a very prominent ex-footballer that happened and that's where the story came from okay and knowing who guy ritchie is busy mates with i don't think it's hard to work out who that might be yeah <laughs> um 
so yeah, so that was it was quite interesting that that there's little nuggets of of bits there that that might actually have some semblance of what was um what might have happened. Um, I, I I will also say in defence of the film though, and I kind of slightly touched on it earlier on, but him having his own pub being a central location of the film and his barbecue table basically stopping for like a minute infomercial about it they they feel just like parts of the film they feel like character pieces it's like hugh grant is impressed by ray's barbecue table it's I a show that barbecue table <laughs> so am i but it, it's a show of the almost like the haves and the have-nots like ray does very well for himself and um uh fletcher doesn't necessarily i will say as well could you steak from frozen is that the way to do that you, you can cook steak from frozen you shouldn't you, you, you gotta be to, but you can do like it. no i mean that's that's it's like yeah fair enough that doesn't feel like the ideal way of cooking a fucking steak, that. No. Or are they saying that with that barbecue table, it is best to start things gradually? I'm fascinated. If Richie wants to send me one, I will do a YouTube video. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, yeah, all right, then. You know, Richie's putting that shit in there. A, it's not... I don't know. It's not like he's specifically saying what the name of the model is and saying you can buy it on www. And I would like it to have done that. <laughs> no, I mean that would have been fucking fantastic. And given the mess of shit that happens at the end, it wouldn't have surprised me. But he fucking okay. Yes, he like he produced it with other people, but he got the financing for the film by himself. You know, he he can kind of do what the fuck he wants there. You know, and you you can criticise it, but at the same time, if the film makes no, no money, Guy Ritchie loses money. So if the film makes money and it sells some of his barbecue tables and it does look ace, fair play to the fucker. You know, would I like to go to his pub? Yeah, I would. I noticed that Dead Pony Club and Pine Car IPA are on draft there. It's all right. I know you don't like Brewdog. I, I'll have a pint. It looks like a nice pub. Yeah. That's it. It's there's a I don't know. There seems to be a bit of a a bit of a weird um, vibe around this movie. It seems to be if you like the shit that Garrett is selling, then you like the movie. If you don't, then you really don't like the movie, which is kind of which is fine. Which that sounds really obvious, but it seems like I've seen a lot of people getting told off for liking the movie. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. stop it. Just stop being, just stop being a minge face. <laughs> no, I mean, that, 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 that's it. I mean, it's, it's a film where Richie is having fun. He is playing with things. I will say that the talk of shoot, like this needs to be widescreen. It needs to be anamorphic 2.35. Yeah. I was, I was sat watching it and I was thinking, I'm liking this. I'm digging this vibe already. And then as soon as that started happening, I was like, I bet Ian's got an erection right now. Mate, I, like if he started talking about things being in large text, like I would have been gone. <laughs> yeah. It, but it's glowing. It, you're watching it and going, do you know what? 
what gets lost in everything with, oh, with, with can i just say as well can i just say as well fuck you Noel. they talk about keeping the grain in the image i fuck <laughs> i did notice that i want the grain oh fucking hell here we go i wonder if Noel's gonna be on for this one uh, <laughs> it does show chemical this film five out of five fuck it five out it's brilliant the thing is, it, it, it shows that people... We forget, I think, that, that filmmakers really like cinema. <laughs> they really they really fucking like it. You know, there's very few filmmakers out there that, that don't like other people's films. And it's been it's been weird, like, when you've had... Um, Boone John Ho has been talking about, oh, did you see The Irishman? It's really good. And Guillermo del Toro does it frequently where he talks about other people's movies. And going, have you seen this? So it's really good. People go, oh, it's amazing that Boone John Ho's seen The Irishman. It's like, yeah, he's a fucking filmmaker. He likes cinema. If you've got a filmmaker who doesn't like it, it's kind of a bit like, well, why are you doing it then? Yeah. <laughs> That I I really like the gentleman. Um, I I I I really really got on with it. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I was I had as much fun watching it as I think the people who were in it had making it. Yeah, yeah. no, totally. I'm, I I will just I, I say like the fact well. that it poked fun at the upper class at points as well. Yeah, which yeah. is a good one for me. No, I, 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 absolutely. Uh, I mean I, the ending as well. I mean it it was clever because. It's like the big bad of the film. It's fucking obvious it's going to be that character yeah. all the way through. But then it kind of messes with you as well. And like by, you know, it does the kind of like the long Good Friday-esque shit towards the end where it's Matthew McConaughey in that um, uh, 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 being driven. And I did, I, I honestly thought they were just going to do the long good Friday ending for a second there. And I kind of would have been all right with that, but yeah. then it's, you know, Fletcher in that office with the man from uncle um, poster. And, and, and it was brilliant and good for Guy Ritchie as well. Like it kind of feels like he was just like, I'm really fucking proud of that film. And he should be. Yeah. And he fucking should be. He f- how was that in not in my top 100? Yeah, I, 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 I thought that when you said that, I was like, ah, oh, because there's one particular scene alone, which is one of my highlights of the decade in terms of one scene alone, and it's Henry Cavill eating someone else's lunch while all the oh, shit. while they're watching, yeah, yeah, and just fucking Alicia Vikander dancing in the background. In that oh, one, yeah, when she slides in and does the risky business thing, it's brilliant. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, fuck. That's, that's getting watched again very soon. Oh, fuck. Mad from Uncle's brilliant, but you know, and I thought when it cut there, I thought it was going to be fucking Guy Ritchie sat there. Yeah, yeah, I did think. Yeah, I did, I did think. Oh, please be Guy Ritchie. They 100% should have done that. Should have just gone, fuck it. Go on then. Um, Even though some of the stories that I've been told about Guy Ritchie, I kind of wonder whether it was supposed to be him, but they couldn't get him out of his trailer. <laughs> um, But, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'm, yeah, do you know what? I'm really fucking fond of this film. It, it It's, I mean... I, Henry Golding, I. You're a fan, aren't you? I really, yeah, I am a fan of Henry Henry Golding. Like 100%. He like 
if it's not going to be Dan Stevens, he should be the next Bond. Which which they actually reference in this movie. And they do reference that in this movie. And yes, please. Um, I I suppose it was maybe because it kind of turned out that he was a bit of a red herring, but didn't quite vibe with his character. Like the, when he went to rape Michelle Dockery, it was a little ah. bit like... But there's an interesting bit of that there. Because I've seen this come up quite a bit. When he's regaling the story, yeah, and he and, and he, he says that bit, Raymond turns around and says that didn't happen to him, um, and essentially Hugh Fletcher basically goes, kind of makes a motion to say we don't know it didn't happen, and that to me was a a tabloid version of what actually happened. Okay, all You're right. Getting told the story, um, but. It, he doesn't know that happened. All he knows is that he went in there and didn't come back out again. So all of that is him just regaling it and saying, and just fucking saying what could have happened and making it all up. Okay, and okay. that that's where I think that that is. Does the movie okay. do it well enough to, to get that across? Maybe not, but that's what I think that is. Okay. I can, I can go with that. Um, I just, his character wasn't that impactful for me. And given that the big bad was also not that impactful. Um, but I mean, th- this is the thing. It's like Jeremy strong. Fuck it. Whatever. Um, Henry Golding, a bit more than whatever. Matthew McConaughey, decent. Charlie Hunnam, decent. Colin Farrell, really good. Hugh Grant, next fucking level. Yeah. Like, and, and and Michelle Dockery, really good when she's on screen and it's not enough. No, it's not enough. She was really good when she was on screen. She was, yeah, I, 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 she, her and Hugh Grant were my highlights of the movie. I thought they were, they were both fantastic. But I mean, like I said, I get four and a half stars out on Letterboxd. I'll be honest with you. I would like to see a spin-off of her and her garage employees doing some sort of, like, heist they're in the next Fast and Furious. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I tell you what though, why the fuck not? Just what? the fact that it, it, it's like, well, what, like, why is he up there front of shop? That's kind of destroying our, you know, that's messing with our image. I fucking love that. Just a yeah. badass like London garage of women. Yeah. Why the fuck not? And also, there's fuckery afoot. Brilliant. There's fuckery afoot. Yeah. And um, that and Ray. Can I have a steak? <laughs> it's just the way he says it. The other one is where he pats on the seat for him to come and sit down. <laughs> oh, and he and he just like he kind of like taps his like go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, and just the. I'm gonna go to bed. Can I come with you? <laughs> it's... Yeah, I thought Charlie Hunnam in those interactions were great. I did also enjoy him when you're watching him and he's trying to give the kid the money for the gun. For the, for the, for the phone. And all the time you're watching it going, well, he's clearly got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had a really good time with it. It's definitely not shit for me. Um, Donna's just invoiced me £1.50 for Lottie bringing up my beers, saying it's for <laughs> Disney World fun. Don, <laughs> have you just invoiced me for Lottie giving those beers to me? Are you 
Have you just invoiced me for Lottie delivering those beers? For her Disney for the Disney World fund. Is that what she meant? She said that Mummy had something to to say, something about a pound, and I forgot. I, I I think you need to tell me about charges before um before I accept a contract. I'll see you in court, my love. She's literally sent me an email, a new invoice from Lottie's Disney fund, and I've got to download a PDF. <laughs> Beer delivery quantity two, rate fifty p. Bottle disposal quantity two twenty five p. Sarcastic comment about a sarcastic comment about amount of beer consumed with our compliments zero p. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic! <laughs> like my my wife is the best. Yeah, I swear yeah. to God, that's fucking funny. Oh, oh my God! Let me just—I'll I'll just WhatsApp that to you. Um, yeah, definitely not shit. Def, <laughs> sake. Um, <laughs> but I did not agree to a pro. I did not agree to enter into a contract. Ah, it's the small print, mate. That's what gets you. I think I can fight that. To any lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> Literally sarcastic comment about amount of beer consumed with our compliments. Uh, that's great. That I love that picture. Might make it my screen. <laughs> Might make it my backing screen. Fuck's sake! Right. Uh, right. Should we do? What should we do next? What should we do? We didn't do a poll, did we not? No, I forgot because I got to do some work. Okay. Uh, that's my fault then. Uh, what should we do next? Should we do. We'll do playing with fire. Sure. Just because it, it, we can need to soften the tone a little bit. <laughs> Probably not. I'm going to take very long. Better snap. <laughs> you like the 1980s, don't you? Of course you do. We all do. But have you ever wondered why that decade was the way it was? Have you ever wished there was somewhere you could go to get past the usual day glow sentimentality? try and understand 1980s pop culture in a more social, political and historical context. Because if so, it sounds to me like you're ready to go beyond the aesthetics, beyond the nostalgia. Welcome to Beyond the Neon. Beyond the Neon, beyond the Neon is the podcast that dares to pull over the Testarossa, eject the Wham cassette and take off the Wayfarers. If you're looking for retro reviews of Back to the Future, The Goonies or John Hughes movies, you will not, not find, find that here. If you're looking for top 10 lists of A-Team episodes, Nintendo games or Stranger Things references, you will, will not, not find, find that here. here. If you're looking for long, boring introductions, Squarespace ads or Patreon begging, you, you will, will not, not find, find that, that here. here. Because Beyond the Neon, we do things a little differently. In each documentary-style episode, I look at one area of 1980s popular culture and break it right down. And each episode features academic insight, guest contributions and interviews, as well as clips plumbed from the depths of the 1980s cultural void. Well, YouTube, mainly YouTube. To help illustrate the wonderful, perplexing, terrifying, joyous and utterly thrilling world of 1980s pop culture. Beyond the Neon might not be as regular as other 1980s podcasts, but that's because Beyond the Neon isn't like other 1980s podcasts. Subscribe to the 
the show today and check out all past episodes by visiting beyondtheneon.co.uk. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I just, just getting confirmation. It's just in, that's the third time though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Legally bound to take care of you, so that's what I'm going to do. In turn, you're going to ditch the attitude and be obedient, so we can do our job fighting fires. Why does it have to be fighting the fires? Can it just be containing it or? Resolving it. Oh my gosh, for crying out loud. I can no longer hold my tongue. So what needs to happen right now, like literally this second, is you gotta watch your tone, little sister. <laughs> or what? Or what? Por qué? I'm Oh, I know what. Happened. I think the baby broke your dog. Her name is Masher. Her name is Masher. So, Play With Fire is a um, comedy directed by Andy Frickman. Uh, it stars John Cena, uh, Keegan Michael Kerr, John Leguizamo, uh, and Judy Greer crops up, which is always a delight. Um, so, what's it about? John Cena plays Superintendent uh, Jake Carson. Uh, who is a smoke jumper. He's not a firefighter. Um, there are only uh, 336 smoke jumpers uh, in America. He basically has to jump into the fires to save people, uh, along with his team, which feature people. Um, so who have you got? You've got Keegan-Michael Kay, who is his, like his right-hand man. Um, and <laughs> John Leguizamo, who plays the, uh, the, the chef and the now pilot. And a man simply called Axe. Played by that's Tyler Man. Yeah. Um, on one of his uh, rescue missions, he saves um, three kids who are what three, eight, and fourteen, should we say? Sure. Sounds about right, doesn't it? Let's go for that. Mm-hmm. Um, saves them uh, and then has to because child service can't get that has to become their essentially guardian for uh, a period of days and hilarity ensues. Um, Ian, you took Lottie to see this, I'm guessing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did indeed. Um, how, did, how, did, how did you all get on with it? Yeah, she really enjoyed it. Um, it it's interesting as well, because her with 
fully live action films it's still a relatively new thing usually if, if, if it's not at least partially animated she's not super interested but she was uh, she was engaged um the idea of kids being without their parents kind of stressed her out um but you know she was comfortable with with it by the end um it's weird because the trailer i swear pretty much everything that happens in the trailer happens in like the first 45 minutes or so of this film and then you've got about another hour like the really really slapsticky shit is front loaded um and then it, it i don't know it, it turns into quite a sweet little thing about family isn't necessarily blood related um you know people can find each other and be happy with each other and form familial bonds and and that's great um you know stakes not particularly high but john cena knows knows his strengths and he knows his limits and he acts with them wisely aided by a solid supporting cast and my favorite judy greer is in it so yeah i perfectly decent time with this how does that with you uh, same, I had a lot of fun with it. I, um, I, I laughed easily enough. Um, I, I chuckled pretty much consistently throughout. Um, it's, it, like you say, um, the, the little, the chemistry that you get between uh, John Cena, Keegan Mecca and John Leguizamo is really quite good. It, it, it's really quite fun. Um, John Cena is really quite good at comedy. Um, he he plays it very very well. Um, I, I actually quite like him as a as a screen presence. Uh, I've seen him. He's done a couple of comedies. He was in Blockers from last year, which he's really good in and a lot of fun in. Um, and, and he clearly enjoys sending himself up, you know, of, of poking fun at himself, which is quite is quite cool. And when you see interviews with him, all bits that he does, he genuinely seems like a good guy as well. You know, that whole thing of because he's still he's still in uh, wrestling, isn't he? he, he He's still a character within that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And when it got taken to um, Saudi Arabia um, last year, uh, he pulled out and said he wasn't going to do it because he didn't agree with it. You know, it, it, it helps when you've got things like this happening to people that are in like these type of movies. But everyone's yeah, yeah. everyone's fully on board. No one's just doing it for a quick fucking paycheck, which is quite fun. You know, I. I, I, I can lap this sort of stuff up. This, um, this, these movies that are aimed at anywhere from like six-year-old kids to like eleven-year-old kids. I find them really quite uh, endearingly watchable. Maybe it's because uh, when I was kind of like uh, like nine, ten to like twelve, um, I'd go to the cinema a lot and watch a lot of this type of movie. So it, it felt quite a comfortable watch. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. It. it it's outright funny at points. It's stupid. It's a little bit zany. Like you say, it's slapsticky, but it, it's quite well done slapsticky. You know, the you're obviously going to get like the, the bubbles going round and they all keep popping up at different places. I was laughing easily enough at that. And the touching moments, they I, they got me a little bit. I was getting a little bit like this is quite cool. And the constant King of Michael Cage appearing out of fucking nowhere um, was a great little continuation joke that happened without uh, throughout it. It's yeah, yeah. it's a fun movie. You know, 
it's a sort of way where nowadays this will happen. It'll land. It'll go on to uh, what is it, and it'll become quite popular on Nickelodeon. It'll land on one of the streaming services. It'll become popular on there. Um, Twenty years ago, you'd have had three of these. You'd have had different sequels. You might end up with a plane with fire two, but it might not have John Cena in it or any of that. It might be different characters uh, there. But I had a good time with it. Filled the Sunday morning really quite well for me. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It, it's the My Little Pony bit. When Lottie <laughs> realised what was going on, she freaked the fuck out. Um, <laughs> like, My Little Pony is like a, a, a big deal for the girl. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's. It just, I don't know. It does what it needs to do. You know, it, it's a perfectly harmless fun little time where keegan michael key like you say is come sliding into frame john leguizamo is constantly getting um uh sayings wrong <laughs> that's fucking brilliant the fact that the, the, the first one is quite close and as they go further along they just get worse and worse and worse until he does the my little pony one and it's like i mean that will make me through <laughs> Yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah, that that because that's the end one, isn't it? And it's like yes. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's there's one that he comes up with that you look at and you can actually see Keegan Michael Kay just starts laughing, and it's not. It, it, it's one of the middle ones. It's kind of which one it was, but he's not laughing because his character's supposed to be laughing. He's just laughing because it's really funny, and the, yeah. the amount of dancing in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just it's a lot of fun. I, I, I a reason why I would keep going is perhaps it's Cinema World advert, but I think I'm looking forward to having this Cinema World card is being able to go watch these type of movies. Yeah, I mean that that's it, and it's like you would only ever go see this if you weren't paying something up front for it. Yeah, you know, and it's like in the end of the day, you pay your tenner a month for Netflix, and so you watch a lot of stuff that you would never like watch if you had to pay for it up front. And it's it's like that with the, the Cineworld one, but you're paying a bit more because it's on a big screen. Yeah, and that's it. And I I I I really enjoyed this. I would have when this arrived on if I hadn't seen the cinema arrived on Sky, I'd have watched it pretty quickly. But I'd have still watched it probably on a Sunday morning before everyone else got up with cup of coffee in a pastry and done that. But I got to go to the cinema and watch it with a cup of coffee. You know, and it, it, it took me 15 minutes to get there and 15 minutes to get back because I was walking. I could have gone in the car and it had taken me two minutes to get there, two minutes to get back. But I had a great time with it. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely not shit. Uh, I think I gave it, what did I give it on letterbox? Uh, I gave it three and a half stars on letterbox. Yeah, but I gave it I, I gave it three out of five. You know, it, it's it, it it's a good little time. You know, it's completely disposable. Um, God, the bit sorry? where she shits up his arm. Yeah, yeah. Look, that that <laughs> genuinely was a shock. It shocked me that it, it took me a few seconds to work out what had happened, and then him in the shower afterwards, just shouting at everybody was great. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah. Um... 
just undemanding fun and that's all there is to it and i mean what's it i mean it's made 44 million in the us so far uh worldwide 54 don't know what the budget was because box office mojo is fucking awful now uh um, they reckon about 25 million there you go you know so like um everybody involved is going to be absolutely fine and I mean, it's just it's smart casting man like john cena not naturally funny like good reactive comedy but doesn't really come up with the jokes himself stick keegan michael key and john leg leguizamo with him and then yeah. have tyler tyler get really into my little pony yeah it, it, it's a good it, time it's a good time um it's it, it's a I like the fact that movies like this still exist. Hi. Where's Henry? Uh, he's pooping. Hi, Henry. Is this couch still open? Yeah. I got off the plane to a text, but don't tell anyone yet. It's still a secret. Okay. I want a MacArthur Grant. <gasps> Charlie! Oh my god, that's great! Congratulations! I'll say it because you can't. It's the genius grant. You're a genius. Oh, I'm really happy for you. You deserve it. That's yours too. We did all of this together. Thank you, but it's yours, Charlie. You enjoy it. I'm starving. It's good money. And they parse it out over five years, but it means I can keep everyone in the theater company employed, pay my credit card debt. So great. Of course, I went instantly too. It's all downhill from here. My first Broadway play has to fail. No. Again, I don't know. You always don't know at this point, and then it gets there. Do I? Because I don't remember. I know, it's true. It'll be great. Okay, I hope you're right. Everyone says hi. Mm. Tell them hi. I miss everyone. Well, you'll see them again when you come back. Gosh, and MacArthur, Broadway. It's so exciting. Congratulations, Charlie. <laughs> Which bathroom? What? Is she pooping? Oh, uh, downstairs. Is your mom home? Yeah, she's upstairs. Hey, how's it going? Nothing yet. It's me. Oh, no. I just got here. Hi. I brought you something. Yay. Mom's getting me a present, too. Why? For pooping. So, A Marriage Story is the latest Noel Baumbach film. Uh, stars Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, Laura Dern, Ray Otter, uh, Alan Alda, um, and a bunch of other people. Uh, obviously, because people are in movies. Um, what is it the story of? Uh, it's the story of Charlie and Nicola Barber and essentially their divorce. Um, Adam Driver plays Charlie, a um, theatre director, and Scarlett Johansson plays Nicole, a actress who works for his theatre company, but has previously done movies, etc. And she is wanting to get back into the more mainstream stuff rather than the the, the, the theatre stuff that he does. And so you've got them living in LA, moving to living in New York, moving to LA, which we'll we'll get into more of the story as as we go along. Um, but yeah, essentially, it is about the their divorce and how it affects everyone around them and how it affects them uh, there, uh, chiefly their son, which I can't remember his name now. Oh Henry. God. Henry. Henry, that was yeah. it. Their son, Henry. Um, so, Ian, what did you uh, think of Marriage Story? 
yeah, so I mean, I, I think I'm slightly more inclined as to the uh, the wonders of Noah Baumbach than you, even though I remember hating Greenberg. Um, but, you know, I came to this with, with some trepidation, you know, because I have a mixed, you know, mixed feelings on, uh, on Baumbach and the film had been uh, very, <laughs> sorry, I'm just going to cough. Sorry about that. Um, had been uh, very, very hyped up, you know. Um, and I came to it, and it it's a little bit Ian Nip. So I'm really intrigued to see what you you thought about it, because I I I think out of the, the 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 three of us, including Bex, I think I'm probably the most inclined to this kind of film. Um, you know, the only way this film could have been better for me would be would be if it was specifically winter New York in the New York bits. Um, I loved it. I really, really loved it. It feels like it's it. it you know, it is based on experience, um, but there's not necessarily any blame here. It's very, very even-handed. I, I, I think you do vacillate between your particular um, affections, and I mean, I, I think overall it maybe does slightly side bet- uh, with Charlie in the what is happening in the moment stuff, but then with the how this situation has come to be stuff it, it, it you, you side with nicole so it, it does quite a neat balancing act there um you know adam driver and scarlett johansson invented acting with this film and well done to them uh and they are very good with their acting um that central scene is powerful but the film itself is also really quite funny um it feels like in an alternate reality where Woody Allen's films of the 70s and 80s made more money than Star Wars it feels like this would be the kind of thing that would be getting made all the time now and yet Netflix are the ones who put up the money to do it hey Mm. I'm a fan cool go on it's i didn't i I absolutely didn't hate it it's um there's some strong performances in it um i'm not quite i didn't quite feel the um that central um the argument scene i didn't it, it didn't it didn't click with me, but those other bits that clicked with me really, really well. Um, I think Driver and Scott Hansen are better when they're not on screen together. But I don't think that that's a they didn't have connection for me or anything like that. I I, just, I liked them in scenes where they weren't on screen together more than I liked them when they were together. Um, Laura Dern's fantastic in it. I think she she definitely gets the the spirit of her character essentially that um, that her if you if you're going to pick if you are going to pick an outright villain of the entire thing it's her um she's the one who gets the the bad ball rolling um there but then but like you say it, 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 it's funnier than i expected um it's 
it's lighter than I expected. Yes. Um, I, I think there's, there's, there's that. Uh, it's interesting you said, well, I got quite a Hal Ashby vibe off it. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, um, you're going to disagree with me on this, and I, that, that's fine, so I'm just going to mention it quickly. I hated the score. Okay. Um, it was too fucking plinky-plonky for me. It, 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 it feels throwback in a way I like. That's fine. That's fine. It just it, yeah. it, it was it was at points nailed on a chalkboard for me. Okay. Um, it, it's it, it it the film for me is aching to not lay blame at anyone's door, and in doing that is literally shoving piles of blame at different people's door at the same time, which I I I can get on board with of saying, do you know what the breakdown of relationships? If you're dealing with it in two separate things, if you're dealing with divorce is one thing, the breakdown of relationship is another thing. Um, the breakdown of relationship is very rarely one person's fault. It is often both people who, uh, for some reason, have done shitty things to each other. And I think that you get that of that. And it's there's a line that actually that, that sums it up really well uh, within the film that really Otter says. Uh, where he says um, divorce people who are getting a divorce see um, get to see lawyers at their uh, get to see bad people at their, at their best um, and divorce lawyers get to see good people at their worst and, and that seemed to resonate throughout the entire movie it was a it, it was a really clever line uh, within the movie uh, that, I, that I really quite liked. Um, it's way too fucking long. Way too fucking long. Um, but it gets across, I think, the really well the ridiculousness of um, of how divorce is handled, in the sense that these people could quite easily have solved their differences and and had an amicable divorce, but then they they let the the procedure of divorce bring up things that maybe they didn't want to to, to bring up i mean that's I mean, the that that's the fascinating thing about it because it was interesting you said that laura dern's like the real bad guy of this because she completely suckers nicole in like that op that opening like bit however where, mm, i, I Continue what you're saying. I, I'll come back to that because I, I agree with you. And then something happens in the movie that made me go, oh. No, but I mean, it, it's she gets Nicole onto her way of thinking, and it, it you know, you've got the di- the dichotomy of the way that goes with the way the Ray Liotta one goes, where Laura Dern seems like really engaged and like into Nicole as a person, where Ray Liotta could not give a fuck. And it kind of feels very um, surface level. I am a female lawyer. I have a female client. She will appeal to me being nice and understanding as a woman, Mm. you know, and it kind of feels like that's just a way that she gets clients. And that last scene of Laura Dern, like saying, well, you know, we got this as well. And then Scarlett Johansson's like, I didn't ask you to do that. And she was like, well, yeah, but then I just thought, fuck him. Yeah. You know, and it, and it's like there, it's the penny drops. And I, I, I like, I liked that. 
Um, whereas, whereas really, Otis' character is the opposite. He literally says to him, "You're gonna fucking hate me after this." Yeah, yeah. And it's that's the thing. The film is about, like you said, how ridiculous the procedure of divorce seems to be, and it makes people who maybe just decided that they weren't great together didn't didn't hate each other potentially hate each other you know it gets the, the place where in that argument they have like uh it, adam driver says to her like I, you know i wish you'd die or is it the other way around no he, he, he does he, he you is, know, if, it, if it is day, him to her, if, isn't it? if it didn't affect henry every day i wish that you'd that I'd wake up and you'd be dead yeah yeah which you know for me that's what kind of ruined that scene for me. It felt too far. It felt too much. I, I, I think it does, but I think there's there's a point to be made in that they are both theatrical people. I, do you know what? Actually, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you're completely right there. You know, and even the way after he's like bent down and like hugging her legs. It, it you know it does feel stagey but, yeah, but purposefully but so they are yeah that, that actually yeah that, that makes perfect sense actually yeah um but yeah it, it is it's but it what often brings me back to it is it's the them having to spend all of this money and everything like that um it brings me back to what one of my one of my issues that I, I often have with Noah Baumbach movies is I'm watching it going, cool, I'm watching upper-class problems. And then essentially Noah Baumbach going, look, look at all the problems that we have. It's like, cool, 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 cool. You know, and really quite wealthy people having a pet spend a lot of money to get divorced. Fine. But there are... 90% of people who get divorced don't have those resources to do that. I mean, it's interesting, though, because... So, I'm a bit... The, the souvenir... Um, you, you haven't seen the souvenir yet, have you? I have, no. It's interesting, because, like, the, the character in that is trying to make a film about, like working class people from newcastle i think it is and you know she is very much not that and there's a you know a bit of criticism for her there in that and it 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 did get me thinking you know it's all kind of like shoot what you know kind of thing and it's like female superhero films should be directed by female directors and that kind of thing and it's yes there's an awful lot of privilege and white middle classness about filmmaking but at the same time if those people tried to direct films about other classes of people then they could just as easily be criticized for how dare you try and depict our lives but i i think there is a with bound back i think it very much is a shoot what you know kind of thing you know it's people that he feels some sort of connection to um even if it is in terms of social strata um and to to an extent i don't think there is a problem with that as as long as you do it well um and I, i i i get what you're saying but at the same time would i want 
to see Noah Baumbach doing a film about Mexican immigrants, say, I, it it would be it would be interesting, but do I feel like it would be? Do I feel that would be the filmmaker I would want to see take on that kind of story? I, I think my issue more is that I'm just not tuned into this guy's frequency. That, I mean, that that's it, and that is totally fair. Yeah, I, um, I, it, 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 it's it's I think it, it's definitely that I, I do. There's there's some bits of it that just irk me. Um, I think that. Let's say if this movie was made five years ago, it would have probably starred Ben Stiller in the Adam Driver role. Yeah. And I'm not even sure who he would have cast in the Sky Hansen role. Five years ago, possibly Greta Gerwig, to be honest. Mm. Um, but she had other shit to be doing at this point. Um, like Arthur. Or... Um, Five years ago, maybe Parker Posey might have got cast in that role. Yeah, okay. You know, so you're looking at that. That would have been more nails down a chalkboard. And I actually quite like Ben Stiller. And I actually really like Parker Posey. Parker Posey should be in more movies. Um, She's in Columbus. Oh, fucking I need to watch that. It's on my list, don't worry. Um, but I think that the fact that I, I enjoy watching Adam Driver and the the, the thing with the, with the knife where he cuts himself... It is. It, it was a brilliant scene. It, it made no sense. Didn't need to be there. But the way that he did it was was fantastic. And the fact that he's they went, oh, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And it, it gave it, it, it gave you a sense of how awkward a person he kind of is. I fucking love that scene. Um, like how he's just trying to keep himself together, and that that woman is just like obviously. There's something wrong here, but I can't really belie the fact that there's something wrong here because my job is to be completely neutral. Yeah. Like it's yeah I yeah um I yeah I I just it's one of the the, the films of the year for me. I'm glad you liked it as much as you did. I didn't expect you to love this film. Um, like you say, if you're not tuned into the frequency, then uh, uh, 100% fair enough. The thing is, I, I've never loved a Noah Baumbach film. I've liked some of his films. I fucking downright hated some of them. I I will re-watch Greenberg. Well, I actually think that one of the few that I actually liked was Greenberg. Hmm. I, I still haven't seen Francis Haas, so I'm going to watch that. I loved his, um, his De Palma documentary. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've not liked anything else he's done. Did he, was it him who directed Mistress America? Uh, I don't think I so. remember, like... Yes, he was Mistress, yes. Yeah, yeah, because I, I remember liking that as well. Um... I was who the fuck that, fine with that. It was all right. Who the fuck directed Lola Versus? Because that was a piece of shit. Lola Versus. Daryl White. Okay, well, I've never heard of him before. So, uh, uh, brilliant. He's fucking dropped off, hasn't he? Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think I will give Greenberg a rewatch. Well, I, I, I remember quite enjoying Greenberg. Um, 
I, I, I'm quite liking the character because he's just a dick. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I, I, I don't know. I, it just, it's, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like Noah Baumbach's some, somebody I maybe need to give his films another watch because maybe that is my kind of shit. But maybe that says something about me. I, I don't know. Um, definitely not shit. I fucking loved it. Um. I'm look. We'll talk about it in like films of the year next week. Um, kind of looking forward to like hearing Becky Sports on it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not sure. It's it, it, it's definitely not sure. It's not even it's not even touching cloth for me. I, it's it, it, it cool. I had a good enough time with it. I'd be I'd be being disingenuous if I tried to um um in any way kind of go. Oh no, I didn't like it or anything like that. So yeah, it, it, it's definitely not sure. I had a good enough time with it. Um. But I'm not as into it as some people, is what I would say. Okay. Okay. Um, should we maybe not do what we've been watching? Because we've actually we've actually got quite a lot of what is it out of that, and I haven't actually got that much anywhere to be honest. Uh, and just jump straight into questions. Um, just my my fucking OCD alone. Um, one of the best films of last year is Netflix's first Netflix original animated movie, Klaus. Uh, which is kind of an alternative. Um, uh, yeah, it's really good. Um, it, it's kind of an alternative uh, Santa Claus origin film, uh, <laughs> which, uh, it, 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 yeah. So uh, Jason Schwartzman plays a uh, son of like a postmaster who is exiled to a island where he basically needs to set up a post office and start delivering post um he meets klaus voiced by jk simmons um who likes making toys um he starts delivering these toys and and then comes up with an idea how about these kids send letters to klaus asking for toys so that his post office can start getting business and then he has to convince klaus to start making toys and it's kind of the origin of santa claus beautifully animated gorgeous fucking film gorgeous i feel like it might get nominated for best animated feature at the oscars and i'd be all for it um a lovely touching magical little thing like for the season uh an ending an animated film ending on par with monsters inc for sheer make me cry buttons um really really good piece of work i will we'll, like next festive season let's talk about it yeah um, we'll definitely watch it next festive season now nice and uh are you gonna watch the two popes anytime soon uh yeah i'm gonna try and watch it next week so okay all right let's talk about it then it's really good i'm, I'm quite looking forward to that it looks it looks quite good yeah um i'm gonna let you do questions i think you've got them and i don't Okay, uh, so uh, yeah, we got some catch-up stuff actually. Um, so questions that we, I, I think we kind of like, kind of waylaid because of time and whatnot. I think may, maybe we got a bit more space now. Are you all right for time? Yeah, good for time. Cool. Oh, by the way, the next patron review will be twenty-four hour party people. Oh, I'm looking forward to rewatching that. Yeah very much looking forward to that that'll be next week nice one so rich a kid uh 
What are your favourite films where the director has doubled as one of the stars of the film? Yeah, uh, Open Range, the Kevin Costner film, um, the Western uh, that was literally shot on his uh, ranch as well. Um, didn't seem to get anywhere near the likely acclaim that it, it should. It's actually a really, really strong Western. And did actually really quite well. Never seen Open Range. It's really yeah, good. I, yeah, I should do that shit. Um, yeah, it, it honestly, it's it, um, apparently when Costner literally self and everything like that, when he submitted it to the studio, they wanted to put his name above a fight me as Kevin Costner uh, in Open Range, and he refused uh, and said that Robert Duvall's name has to be first billing. Uh, because he's the star of it um, and essentially basically no, um, it, it, I will only have posts out there that say Robert Duval, Kevin Costner and Annette Benning mm. and stuck st- steadfast into it but yeah it, it's, it's a really good one so that, that's one that came to uh, came to mind um, obviously there's things like Taxi Driver would have to be in there but I think what's more main actors being the main in films I think Yeah, I, 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 you know, tell me something, girl. Oh, of course, yeah. Star is born, you know, without question. I, I'm really, really itching for a Star is Born re- rewatch. I, I think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I want to rewatch it at some point very soon. But it's just there's all there's so much other stuff that I kind of like feel like I've got to watch, and then I can get, I can treat myself to that. <laughs> it's just that that encore edition in the iTunes extras is 4k and you can't get that in 4k physical. So I, I, I think I'll probably, um, I'll, I'll probably bite on that at some point. Um, I, you know, I mean, ugh, shit, he's been canceled, but Woody Allen, it like directs himself brilliantly. Um, yeah. Clint with, with uh, specifically with unforgiven. Yeah. Strong. Um, even though, um, fucking, Oh God, what's the one where he plays the radio DJ? Like early on, it's four word title. Play Misty for me. Well, yeah. Uh, like, Heartbreak Ridge. I always got a really well Heartbreak Ridge as a clip one. I haven't seen Heartbreak Ridge. Yeah. It's it, it, it it's more light than a lot of his um what is it a lot of his directed movies. Um. Yeah, there's a, there's a, it's 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 kind of it's got a little more levity to it than often it is that have. Mm. I just God, play Mist if you me takes me back though. Just like ten years ago when I was work, like working as a projectionist in the booth, I just download films onto my phone, like illegally download films onto my Android phone, and just watch them at like one a.m. while the last films were fucking spinning. Just the amount of films like like Play Misty for me or like Robert Altman's Quintet, you know, just like fucking uh, like old school. Sorry. Yeah, just like random, random stuff. Yeah, just random old school shit that I wanted to watch and I just got done. That is one thing that slight tangent that like uh, the proliferation of legal ways of watching shit on your phone has kind of fucked me up is that 
I would listen to movie podcasts and just keep notes of this film, this film, this film, this film, this film. Yeah. Download them and then like torrent them and then just stick them on my phone. And like just the film education I got then, like just making making up reels. You know, just like a nice fucking. If it was like a nice seven reeler. I could spend some time looking for the fucking the um the little blip blimps that I'd have to like take. So th- every now and then, just due to the, the the processing, there would be um frames that would have like marks in them that you would feel for. You'd have to put on like like thin gloves and literally as the as the reel was like spinning as you were putting all the reels together, you'd have to feel for little bumps, then stop it and then wind it back and then find that frame that had that like little bump in it and then take it out and it'd just be this one frame that had this like this chemical burn in it and it was like if you left them in there was more chance of the film fucking up when it went through the projector so you had to be really careful and just like painstakingly going through this stuff while listening to film podcasts talking about films of the past that i needed to watch and um downloading them and then once all the films were on checking on them every now and then but just sitting down in the booth and just sticking a film on and watching it like that job paid shit and i would work until like 3 a.m to like no extra money or anything like that but like the sheer fucking romanticism I feel for that period of my life. It's like nothing else, man. Sorry, I know I'm tangenting. No, a bit, that, that, but... that's it. Um, I, I can say the same thing for when I when I worked um, at the fireplace shop. You know, I'd often, sure. especially leading at times like February, March, um, and the start of April, where it was quiet. I'd have like a two month period where it, it would go a little bit quiet, and so. We'd always have like fittings on and stuff like that, but the amount of people I actually got into the showroom dropped down. You, you know, you, 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 if someone came into the showroom in like the second week in February, you're pretty much guaranteed they were going to buy something. You just had to make sure they bought it from you. Um, but like, I'd have like bits where I'd be sat there going, right, well, I've done everything I, I need to do. So I would literally um, spend a lot of time, this before like Netflix and things like that, just going online and do you remember the, the there used to be a site called Putlocker where you could like watch stuff on there and I'd just stream stuff watching it on there and just but it'd always be like random stuff um like all the movies are um like not new releases but stuff that have been out for like six months but like not like the big stuff that have been out for like six months like random little fucking movies and i watched shitloads and in the background while i was doing invoices or i was doing ordering on bits like that it was yeah so you get it was how you managed to watch movies like that and now we both have like more grown-up fucking jobs it's a little bit more difficult yeah it's just putting on the fucking bomb disposal gear to change the projector lamp it was like i look back like at the time it was like this is such a pain in the ass and it's like now it's like i thought i love my job and i love the guys i work with um it's it's a great job um and you know post 
digital taking over you know unfortunately the job i had just wasn't viable anymore you know so it's not like i regret things because it's it's the way my life moved on and that's fine but man i swear to god if digital projection wasn't a thing i think i'd still be there now that's it it's it i get what you mean man it's that thing of just sometimes it doesn't have to pay well it's the experience you get from it and it's the joy of of doing it that's it man like it's uh i took such pride in that job every fucking time a print got a line through it like i remember there was a dark night print that we had that got like someone laced the motherfucker up wrong and it got a scratch to the left hand side of the entire thing and it fucking broke my heart but because nobody ever complained about it we couldn't change it yeah and it was just every single time i watched that film start you know it would do the opening logos and then do that wide shot of that chicago like building and it it, it like it 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 pans in with like in the soundtrack and it's like going into that building and it's just this scratch on the left hand side fucking killed me it was just like just somebody complain somebody complain complain so i can start this out no yeah so i mean it would have cost it would have cost like thousands of pounds to replace that print but it would just uh fucking hell one of the most stress and one of the most stressful fucking times of my life was running a print of quantum of solace through four projectors using one print <laughs> like just film flying all over the place <laughs> and you just in this corridor this has to work <laughs> and like just whenever a manager would like come up like it'll just be like Watch where you go. Like, as soon as they walk through the door, because right to the right, the print was fucking flying. And it was like, watch out. Because if they fucking boshed that, that would have taken that off. Like, the one, like, wheel going to the other wheel, it would have taken that off, and four screens would have gone down. <laughs> fucking hell. Mate, seriously. Like, oh, God. God, the fucking night I fucking carried like carried the Sex and the City print from one projector to the other by myself, which you weren't supposed to do. But if you have a five minute turnaround between screenings between two screens, what the fuck are you supposed to do? And I carried that, and then it fucking fell apart in my hand. Oh. And I I spent three hours reassembling a part of that print on the floor while midnight shows were playing on a Wednesday night because it was Orange Wednesday we did midnight shows on a Wednesday and I was reassembling that Sex and the City print while listening to the Hollywood Saloon uh, Rocky anthology podcast (laughs) it's just burned into my memory and that is literally 12 years ago weird isn't it what sticks with you like it and yet best fucking the best job i've ever had i love my job now best job i've ever had (laughs) anyway like that was 35 millimeter projection that you know those were some memories i'm sorry i i I fucking rambled slightly and got uh um 
and nostalgic, but yeah. What was the next question we had, mate? Fuck knows. Um, <laughs> doesn't make me. Um, uh, la, 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 la. Which film do you hate that everyone loves? Um, I mean, for me, it's a lot, but uh, like not being sort of like not picking out a film that everyone should hate. But um, I always really like Hannibal, like more than um, Silence of the Lambs. That's a good shout, that, that. You know, everyone else despised it, but it's it's this mad kind of... A, I, I prefer Julianne Moore as Clarice Starling than um, Jodie Foster, um, but it's it's just this really batshit crazy, like, B-movie, essentially, but made by an A-list director with an A-list cast and an A-list budget. <laughs> Hannibal's fucking fascinating. That's a love. That is a lovely shout. That. Yeah. That that that's the one that jumped to mind most because it is, it's it's when you think about it, Hannibal, it's batshit. <laughs> it's a mental movie. <laughs> that bit where he's eating really hot his brain. <laughs> I mean that that film is fueled it, with Ridley Scott on pure. I'ma do what the fuck I want. It's, Let's I, go. In my brain, and this probably doesn't happen in the movie, so I'll be disappointed when I watch it. But in my brain, there's a bit where really Otter says, smells delicious, and it's his own brain. No, he does. <laughs> does he? Oh, I, 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 see, I remember that, but I kept thinking, I must be wrong, though. That can't actually happen. <laughs> That's that, shit, man. I tell you what, we've got 14 patrons at the moment. If we get 16 patrons by Sunday, the 12th of January, we will do a Hannibal commentary. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm well up for that. Four patrons, that is. Yeah. So, yeah. No, uh, yeah. Uh, that's a great shout. The thing is, the novel is even more batshit. Yeah. Like, which is which is something. Um. God, it's an interesting question, this. Because, I mean, hate is such a strong word. Because, um, I, I mean, I'd happily say, I, maybe not love, but with John Carpenter, it's like Escape from L.A. and Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. I have fun yeah. with those motherfuckers. I have fun with them. I really like Escape from LA. I think it's a great film. It, it, it's it's keeping in spirit with Escape from New York. It's it, it's a good time, is that movie? And the ending. It yeah. shuts the earth down. Brilliant. It's like if if that third one, Escape from Earth, ever happened, that would have been a hell of a thing. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, any carpenter, I I just lap that shit up anywhere. Uh, bloody right. But yeah, that's um, a good okay. So uh, at Ethan Runt, Andrew Jones, Andrew, I hope you're keeping well, sir. Um, says with Netflix's new slate of directors and actors attached to high concepts, what's your dream Netflix movie cast slash crew slash premise? Um, I want. 
I'm not there esque biography of Kubrick making all his films where Kubrick is played by a different person in every film he makes. Is is it directed by one director or is it different directors for each film segment? I hadn't thought of that, but let's do that. That, that I've watched that. That's I want so I want Wes Anderson directing Ed Norton as Kubrick directing 2001. <laughs> I can see that. Um, I want Mike Flanagan directing. Karen Gillan playing Stanley Kubrick directing The Shining. Fuck, I would watch the shit out of that. Yep. I want Steven Spielberg directing Daniel Day-Lewis playing Kubrick directing Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> um, I want Brian De Palma directing Al Pacino playing Stanley Kubrick directing Full Metal Jacket. <sighs> Did you ever listen to that uh, an audio book that uh, Matthew Modine put out of his diaries from? No, uh, but but I need to. I forgot about that. Uh, yes, I, I did. It's really good. It's really okay. fucking interesting. Uh, like he he does not paint Kubrick in a nice light. Oh wow! <laughs> but 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 never being an asshole about him. He's been Matthew Modine's a really nice person. He's been really nice about him. But you're just going. No, no, Matthew, that's not right. (laughs) I just, like, that's the crazy fucking shit. Like, one day there is going to be a film about Kubrick Mm. and it needs to be sprawling and it needs to just be all over the place. You know, I mean, like you've got like the uh, the Leon Vitali documentary that came out uh, a couple of years back, Film Person, I think it's called. I haven't seen that. I need to catch up with that. Um, but then there was the Stanley Kubrick documentary, A Life in Pictures, that was narrated by Tom Cruise, which um, came out, I think, post-death. It was kind of like around Eyes Wide Shut time. Um, but... I want to see someone tackle Kubrick on the big screen. And it almost feels like he's still too big a presence for filmmakers to tackle. Like he's still, still too seismic. Like there's almost something that's heresy. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone wants to point out the fact that he was a bit of a prick. All directors are. Yeah. Right. I mean, all directors have to, have to be assholes to, to, to an extent. Um, but I think it's, I don't think people are ready yet to, to open that fucking can of worms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, but that would be fun. I'd, I'd watch the shit out of that movie. Um, mine's easy. I have one already pre-packed for this whenever this sort of question comes out. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go back to the well with this one. Uh, I want to see the... Um, Ridley Scott seems to like making sequels to his old movies. I want to see The Gladiator 2 that Nick Cave wrote where he's fighting to get out of hell. Oh, God, yeah. Fuck, yeah. Yep. So a grizzled fucking uh, Maximus played now by Russell Crowe's dogs. Uh, 
Um, just fucking just fighting to get out of of hell to save his family. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds incredible, doesn't it, though? It does. Um, yeah. Fuck. I really want that fucking movie. It yeah. will never happen, but I have never wanted a movie more, and it will never, ever happen. Yeah. No, it's a great shout, though. Um. Okay, so uh, last question, Rich A. Kid. Thank you, Rick. Um, if you were Guy Ritchie, who would you cast in your next gangster flick? I'm going to go big. Well, I think Ritchie needs to cast one of the big boys. I want to see Ritchie do a gangster film with a legend. So I've I got a couple things here. If you're going to go DH, then Al Pacino. Yeah. Because De Niro, I almost think, is a little bit too sedate. Pacino could just like be fun. He, he but wanted Pacino for Dennis Farrell character, didn't he? In that, oh shit! Did he really? Wanted Pacino for that. Oh, and Pacino could you imagine? But, could you imagine Pacino saying, "Sit down and shut up, you big bold fuck"? Yeah. But it was, it was oh. that's what he wanted. He wanted Pacino for that, but Pacino was doing something else, so it just couldn't. It it, it didn't marry up. Oh. Um, and then apparently it was um, it was oh. Brad Pitt who got uh, recommended. <coughs> Brad Pitt suggested Dennis Farriner on Ed Norton's recommendation. Okay. I mean, Farina is fucking brilliant in Snatch. Don't get me wrong, but Al Pacino doing his like. Sit down and shut up, you big bum fuck! Like, just... <laughs> that would have been great, wouldn't it? Oh, God. But I also want to see Stephen Graham in a Guy Ritchie film, because Stephen Graham in a Guy Ritchie... Like, no, fuck, Snatch! Jesus fucking Christ. But now, now, as a big-time gangster, <laughs> like, not the fucking Jason Statham sidekick... Like Tony Pro esque fucking dick swinging, let's go. Yeah, the big balls boss. Yeah, you know Charlie Big Bananas. He needs to be called Charlie Big Bananas. Yeah, that'd work. F- well, still the funny, still the funniest moment of EastEnders ever, and yeah, I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> I have um, I, I, weirdly, I'd like to see because he always had the token yank in it, don't he? Yeah, Christian Slater. Oh. In the same way, oh, a bit of career revival, like it, in the same way as we, Christian Slater has done um, Tarantino dialogue in True Romance, but it, you get a thing like people like Richie and Tarantino, people like that, their dialogue is made for somebody like Christian Slater who can just monologue like a motherfucker. Yeah, he's. It's weird because like he was in Mr. Robot, and it kind of feels like he hasn't captured that heat. He's uh, he's very much. I something with him uh, recently where he's talking about it and saying, you know, uh, is Mr. Robot going to give you that that license to do the next big thing? And he was like, I don't really care. 
I'm enjoying doing this series when it finishes, it finishes. Oh, on it. And I only do things now that, that, that kind of interest me because the problem is I've been a movie star. I did it. It wasn't very good for me. I didn't deal with it very well. I was an arsehole and I was addicted to cocaine. And so I'm quite happy now not being a movie star, doing the bits that I interest. And if something big comes along and it interests me, I'll do it. But I like having a nice, quiet life. It's quite cool. And I thought, you know what? Fair enough. He's like, he said, I've had my time as a star. I don't know if I need it again. It just, it'd be nice to see Slater reciting Tarantino dialogue again. It'd be lovely to see him on the big screen. I am go. Well, he, he was. He, he's he's nearly been in so many Tarantino movies. That's mm. the mental thing. He was nearly in Hateful Eight. He was nearly in um, Pulp Fiction. What, what role? Uh, sorry, I'm putting you on the spot there. Like, I'm just intrigued. What role uh, in Hateful Eight? In, in Hateful Eight, uh, he was going to at one point be the uh, role that Tim Roth took. The what one? Uh, the role that uh, Tim Roth took. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it, he was he was it was in line to have that at one point. It was written for Roth. Roth then they didn't think would be able to do it because everything got shifted around. So Slater was going to come on board, and then they went back to Roth once it, it everything got kind of like it was a weird production, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Oh then, shit! So like before the script got leaked and whatnot, it was going to be Slater, but then shit changed around and Roth went uh, was able to actually do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. and of course he was. Um, he, there was a couple of characters he could have been in uh, in Pulp Fiction. Mm. Uh, and Tarantino's always liked Slater, so it's always been weird that he's never actually kind of got in there. Mm. If his next one's going to be his last one, you have to wonder whether it's going to be just a these are the people I really want to work with kind of deal. It's, it's going to be interesting what happens there. I it, still think it's. A, I still think it's. He cleverly words everything he does. The thing is, it's like I I actually could see him just going into criticism and maybe doing TV direction. Like he's been popping up on a lot of podcasts and he's got really insightful shit to say. Like um, the, the rewatchables uh, is this uh, a podcast um where you know they got the Safdie brothers talking about Happy Gilmore. I haven't listened. Listen to that one yet. It's probably going to be playing tomorrow, quite frankly. But he was on talking about Dunkirk. And he's rewatched Dunkirk a lot. And it like went from a really good film to the second best film of the decade for him. <laughs> the thing is, again, it's a... There's certain directors and filmmakers that are fascinating listening to them talk about, mm. about movies. Um... Tarantino is one that I could listen to him talk for hours about it. Walter Hill is always fascinating to listen to him talk about movies. Really honest and insightful guy. Um, Finch is fantastic listening to talk about movies. Obviously, but Scorsese. It's, but it's like if Tarantino retired and went, I'm going to do a podcast and have a fucking patron feed where I guarantee you once a week I will do an hour on X film. I or would we- pay for that motherfucking, like, do it. Yeah. Do it. Tarantino could literally go, right, because he, he, he did years ago when, I believe it was when Kill Bill came out, I think it was, he curated like a season of films on Channel 4 where he did yeah. the intros to them. Um, I, I think he picked like Taxi Driver and The Long Good Friday and things like that. Um, and they were really interesting. You know, I think the couple of them ranch on YouTube. Uh, I mean, he's, 
his introduction bits. That's it. It's like if he spends the next like hopefully 40, 50 years of his life not making films, but talking about both past and like present films and just being a fucking historian. Like, yeah, great. Cool, man. Don't don't pressure yourself into making another film. Let's have your 10 slash 11 and you do you like it it's like i want to hear that voice and if it if it means i hear that voice regularly talking about film because the motherfucker is so engaging to listen to then just yes please yes please (laughs) absolutely but at the same time if his last film is him saying to a studio Give me $150 million. It's my last film. You will make your money based on the fact that it is Quentin Tarantino's last film. And it is the most self-indulgent. I will work with everybody I've, I've worked with who I want to work with. And everyone who I've ever wanted to work with thing. I, 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 think it should, I think it should be a little bit all, it, almost like Quentin last film should be called My Last Film or, or even just called Quentin Tarantino's last film and it should be a movie about him making his last movie. <laughs> I, that or let's do Kill Bill Volume 3 and just be the most fucking self-referential shit you've ever seen yeah it just it, it, it ties everything all the tarantino universe gets tied in together in this one movie and it's five hours long and it's actually three movies released over two years yeah yeah oh god yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he calls it one film <laughs> he calls it kill bill three <laughs> yeah that's oh, i'm sorry that that's that's exactly it that's exactly it yeah man <laughs> oh, what a treat that would be. Kill Bill Volume 3, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh that's... Okay, yeah, I've watched, I've watched that. Um, I think that is it. I think that's episode 330. Oh, what a treat. What uh, a treat. What are we covering next week, Ian? So, we're going to be doing uh, 1917. Yep. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Bombshell. Uh, comes out the week after, but we're all see in a screening of it this week uh we'll do jojo rabbit yep and we will be reviewing 24 hour party people yep uh and you will be getting our, our top 10 list yeah indeed yeah so the top 10 of the year will not be its own show uh you know you have the top 100 of the decade so an awful lot of that's going to be spoiled anyway it's primarily going to be running through the list but we'll do We'll do we'll do worst we'll do surprises we'll do disappointments but I, I it's not it, it's going to be a part of a show as opposed to the it's show. It's going to be a more streamlined affair this year. We'll go back to full show next year, but the, the end of the decade list kind of took that place. I think. Yeah, I mean it was you know it's three and a half hours. You know, f- forgive us if we uh, spent a half hour forty five minutes on 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 that bit in in the show. Uh, but yeah, uh, looking forward to 1917, must say. Um, yeah, very much looking forward to it. Might even try and catch it in IMAX. Oh yeah, because you can do that. Yeah. You can do that. How much? Do you know how much the uplift is? 
four pounds, I think. Oh, just fucking do it. I think I might. Um, so yeah, so that was episode three hundred thirty. Um, check out um, Pod Syndicate. Um, dot, well, sorry, we are Pod Syndicate dot com. Uh, some good writing on there. Um, oh, we, uh, we did a. There was a collaboration piece about New Year's uh, film resolutions. There was indeed, yes. So go there if you want to see what our uh, my, myself and Ian's New Year's resolutions are. We're also gonna um have playing it forward is returning this month it is indeed yeah and it's going to be on the pod syndicate bonus feed yes so um i believe there is already something up there with mike um uh interviewing the runner of a australian comic expo i think it is indeed yeah um so yeah, playing it forward will be on that feed going forward. It's not like it's been a regular occurrence on the on on the show all that much. So we're, you know, Noel's involved. Noel is the architect of Pod Syndicate. So we've made the decision slash I've made the decision. I'm hoping Mark's all right with it to uh, keep it on the Pod Syndicate bonus feed as a little hey, you know, check out some of the shit over there as well. Absolutely. Cool. Um, but yeah, patreon.com forward slash film bastards. There's going to be a lot of stuff on there this year. Uh, yeah. $2 a month. Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. shit. No, one other. I'm so sorry, Mark. Are you still okay? To... Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, my boy Mark at work asked and I said that he'd have to listen to the show for the answer. He's the uh, very end of the show as well. Yeah, no. Yeah, well, you know, hey. Bronco, I am looking. I am looking for some decent, clever thriller slash action style conspiracy theory type films with twists. What do you recommend? Ooh, conspiracy style ones. So, Blowout. Ooh, yeah, that's a really good shout. Mark, Blowout, Brian De Palma film starring John Travolta. You've maybe not seen it. If you haven't, one of my favourite film endings of all time. There is a scene, there is a shot with flyerworks towards the end of the film that is chef's kiss. Incredible. Um, I'm throwing the conversation out there as well? Yeah, the conversation. Three uh, Days of the Condor, uh, Parallax Boys. View. Boys from Brazil. The Boys from Brazil. Uh, conspiracy kind of stuff. The 70s Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ooh, good one, that one, actually, yeah. It's a really good one, actually, that. Jacob's Ladder. Oh, Jacob's Ladder is a great shout. Uh, Marathon Man. Yep. What else have we got? Uh, Snake Eyes. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, Mark, Snake Eyes is very your shit Nicolas Cage like top form directed by Brian De Palma director of Blowout like Brian De Palma he's a director you dig yeah there's some good ones there yeah I'd say, I'd say those, those those are good watches there you go Mark I hope, uh, hope you got some uh, some good stuff there but um, yeah cool thank you well thank you very much for listening guys and we shall speak to you next week goodbye Someone to hold you too close Someone to hurt you too deep 
someone to sit in your chair to ruin your sleep that's true but there's more than that is that all you think there is to it you have so many reasons for not being with someone robert but you have one good reason for being alone come on you're under something maybe you're under something someone to need you too much someone to know you too well someone to pull you up short to put you through hell you see what you look for, you know? You're not a kid anymore, Robbie. I don't think I'll ever be a kid again, kiddo. Being alive. Being alive. Being alive. Blow out the candles, Robert, and make a wish. Want something. Want something. Somebody hold me too close. Somebody hurt me too deep. Somebody sit in my chair and ruin my sleep and make me aware of being alive. Being alive. Somebody need me too much. Somebody know me too well. Somebody pull me up short and put me through hell and give me support for being alive. Make me alive. Make me alive. Make me confused. Mock me with praise. Let me be you. But alone is alone, not alive. Somebody crowd me with love, somebody force me to care, somebody make me come through, I'll always be there, as frightened as you. To help us survive Being alive Being alive Being alive This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate Valley for more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.